0: Hey, today is, is Family Sunday, and therefore uh, we're only going to release right now the toddlers, two and three year olds, to go downstairs with uh, Mrs. Straup and who else? Somebody else? Somebody else? Oh, Mrs. Hurdle. Mrs. Hurdle and Mrs. Straup are, are taken. So, uh, two and three year olds, but the rest of you get to stay up here. Yay! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you get to stay up here. And I didn't grab one of those, Shiloh. Can I grab one just to show real quick? Can I show this one real quick? So the rest of the, the young people have uh, one of these bags, okay? And in this bag, there is a clipboard, and there's some crayons. And, uh, and, and so that's for you to keep busy during church, okay? But here's the deal. At the end, you can keep the pages but you need, to, you need to put the crayons back in and the clipboard back in and just set them out front out as you leave, okay? These will be uh, used each week, and I think we have some, uh, a couple of guys that, that made these bags. Uh, some young guys. Gio- Giovanni Martinelli made this. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty cool, huh? That's awesome. So anyway, those are, in case I'll give this back to you, buddy. Thank you. So, so uh, there's that. Also, we, I know that uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure, are you headed out this week? Okay, Tristan's headed out this week. Katie, are you headed out this week? We got at least two here that are headed out this week to go off to college for the very first time. And you all know that there's nothing scary about that, Right? <laughs> There might be a little bit something scary about that. So let's pray. We want to pray for Tristan and Katie as uh, they head out this week to, to start their first year of college, and maybe for mom and dads as they say goodbye. We know what that's like too. So let's bow our heads in prayer, and, uh, and we'll just cover these, uh, these folks. Father, thank you so much for your incredible love that, that goes with us wherever we are. And Lord, we just uh, lift up Katie and Tristan to you, and I pray, Father, that as they head off to college this week, that your love would be so real to them, that your presence would be amazing in their life, that as they start this new uh, stage in their life, that, Father God, you would be there, that you would provide for them uh, in your presence comfort and peace, God, I pray that you would guard them, that you would keep them close to you, that, Father, you would help them to be a a testimony for your Son, Jesus Christ. And, Father, I pray that we as a church would continue to to connect with them and love on them and, and show care for them. Father, we're thankful for them. We're thankful for what they mean to the life of this church family, and we pray your blessing upon them as they leave. Father, we're also thankful for our time this morning in which we get to look in your word together. And as we talk about joy, the joy of Jesus, I pray, Father God, that you would work in our hearts. I would pray that as we prayed this morning, that if there's some in this place here right now who, who don't have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, that today would be the day. I pray for those of us that do have a relationship with you, that that we would come to see where true joy lies. And I pray above all of this, that Jesus, you would be exalted in this place, and that God, you'd be glorified, and that Holy Spirit, you would have free reign. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was looking this week at some statistics What I discovered about America was pretty fascinating. While America is one of the wealthiest countries in the world, did you know that it only ranks number 13 in the terms of the happiest country? It's clear down, 13th of all the countries. Interestingly enough, Denmark is considered the number one happiest country in all the world, which is interesting to me. But we rank 13th. Uh, The statistics further say that only 33% of Americans say that they are very happy. That is down from 35% in 2009. So it's actually decreased over these last several years. We uh, noticed also that millennials, those that were born from between the years of 1980 and 2000, millennials some of you in this place, you have been titled the most stressed generation. Whee! What a great thing, huh? To be called the most stressed generation. Therefore, I think leading to some of those statistics that I just shared. Now, here was the saddest statistic that I discovered about America. Over the last 20 years, antidepressant usage has increased by... 400%. I found that very interesting. There could be a lot of factors in there, a lot of things that that might have done that, but I find that very interesting. All this to say is, while America seems to be one of the most prosperous nations of all time, we certainly aren't happy. We don't exude a happiness in America that other nations do, even though we have Prospered, even though we're pretty well off, even though statistics say that our poorest poor is richer than the poorest poor in third countries, third world countries. Even though those things are true, we still are not happy, which says to me that we're placing our happiness in the wrong place. So, this morning, by way of introduction, I'd, I'd just encourage you to open with me in your Bible to John chapter 15. And let's continue talking about this whole idea of happiness and why I think happiness is not arrived at in America. And the truth is this. Many are seeking happiness through the wrong places. Through nouns and circumstances, what I would call it. Nouns and circumstance. Now, kids, you were in school, right? You know what a no- noun is, right? A noun is a... Person, place or thing. And circumstances is the situation we find are in. I think in America, we are given over to find happiness in nouns and circumstances. We find happiness in people. We want our family to do good. We want our family to be loving and kind, and that's where our happiness is. Therefore, if our family isn't that way, guess what? We're unhappy. We want a dad and a mom who love us, who accept us and and cherish us and love us. And when we don't have that, we're not happy. We get older and pretty soon we start catching the attention of the opposite sex. And pretty soon we're thinking, if I only had that guy as a boyfriend, he's dreamy, right? And everything would be wonderful, and then we get the idea of, hey, if this is good, being boyfriend, and girl, let's get married. Things will be greater yet. I heard once said, love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener, right? <laughs> and we get married to this one who we think is going to make us happy for the rest of our life, and guess what? Our eyes are open, and we realize that happiness is not in people. How about places, We think that if only we lived in that area or this area, you you, you have already the statistics I gave you. If we went and all lived in Denmark, maybe we would be happier because it's the number one country for happiness, right? Is that true? If we just moved there, would we be happy? I had a buddy who in high school... um, Uh, he always wanted to go to Hawaii and he and I got to go to Hawaii upon graduation just as a gift and and, and we went there and then he moved back to Hawaii for a while and he thought that was going to just be the best thing for him to live in Hawaii I mean if visiting Hawaii makes you happy think how well it would be to live there and guess what (laughs) it wasn't that great and so he, he came back to the States. He's living in the States right now. But see, sometimes we put our happiness in places. Or sometimes we think things will make us happy. We, we go after things such as recreation. I want to be camping. I want to be out in the woods. I want to be involved in sports. I want to be the best at sports I can possibly be. These things are going to make me happy. Or we get things in our life. We want the latest and greatest vehicle and the house and the boat and everything and a second house if we can afford it. And we think this is where happiness is going to be. But take a look here at this picture. Here is my grandson, Ryder. Isn't he cute? I mean, he looks pretty happy, right? I mean, who wouldn't be happy sitting in a shiny red Porsche? And here he is, he's just loving it, and his dad, his mean old dad wouldn't buy it for him. (laughs) Because it only costs like 300 and almost 400 dollars, so that's a good reason why. But things don't make us happy. We might get the red Porsche, but guess what? It gets old, it gets rusty, or we get in a wreck, or it has engine trouble. And pretty soon, that thing that we thought was going to bring happiness, no longer brings happiness. So how about Circumstances. Sometimes we get this notion that if everything is right, if everything is perfect, if the situation we are living in right here and now is just the way that we dreamed it to be, then we will be happy. But is that ever a guarantee? Jesus himself says, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. Not perfect situation. Tribulation. You're going to go through it. See, and the problem is, when we come to seek these things out, nouns and circumstance, when we seek those out, thinking they're going to bring us happiness, we are left woefully wanting more because they don't. Now, the truth is, I'll be honest with you, let's get honest, let's get real. Those things do make us happy for a while, don't they? You get that shiny red Porsche? I'd be happy. Who wouldn't be happy, right? But it's a temporal happiness. Because as I said, it kind of wears down. To live in Hawaii for a couple of years, that might be happy at first. And then you have to start paying the high prices of living in Hawaii and all the other things that go with it. You're locked on this little island. All these things that we look to, they do make us happy, but it's temporary. And that's why then we go from one thing to the next, from one noun to the next noun, from one circumstance to the next circumstance, and we remain unhappy. But I want you to see a verse. A verse in John's Gospel, chapter 15. And I want you to see with me where happiness lies. Where happiness is. And I want to correct something here that we often think. And I want want us to see what Jesus says. Look with me at verse 11. John chapter 15 and verse 11. Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you that... My joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, stop and think with me for a moment. We talk about finding joy in the Lord. And that's true. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.4 says rejoice in the Lord. Our joy is in the Lord. But what Jesus is speaking of is something a little bit different. Jesus is not talking about having joy in the Lord. He's talking about finding the joy of the Lord. Jesus says, my joy, the joy that I have, the, the, the joy that I possess, my very own joy can be in you. See, I believe that our, we were created to desire happiness, I don't think the desire of happiness is a sin. What I do believe is that we don't find happiness in the right places. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and fornication and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the beach. We are far too easily pleased. The desire that we have in our heart for happiness is, I think, God-given. But he created us to find the fulfillment of that desire, not in nouns and circumstance, but in Jesus himself. Jesus says, my own joy can be in you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, i got to be honest with you, I hadn't thought about this until the last month. That the very joy of Jesus can be in me. And so Jesus speaks here, these things I've told you because I want my joy to be in you. So here's the point today. The point is this. The joy of Jesus can be ours. His very own joy, not dependent upon nouns and circumstance, but his own joy that is eternal, that is everlasting. Listen to what John Piper says. John Piper, and it's going to be on the screen, says, the gospel is the good news that the everlasting and ever-increasing joy of the never-boring, ever-satisfying Christ is ours freely and eternally by faith in the sin-forgiving death and the hope-giving resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a long quote, and there's a lot of uh, descriptions going on there, but basically what John Piper is saying is the good news of the gospel is that the joy that Jesus has can be yours. Can be yours. And dear church, if nouns and circumstance don't bring eternal joy, then hear me out. The joy of Jesus does. Because Jesus is eternal. His joy is eternal. And when he, His joy is in us, that joy resides in us no matter what. No matter the nouns, no matter the circumstance. That continues on. So our job is not to seek after nouns and circumstance to find joy. Our job is to seek the joy of Jesus and Jesus here says these things I have written to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full so I've written these things so that my joy could be in you so in order for us to understand how it is that we can have the joy of Jesus in us we need to go back to verse 1 of John chapter 15 and let's ask this question how can the joy of Jesus be ours well go back with me to verse 1 And I want to read through the first part of verse 3. We're going to see three things, three ways that you and I can have the joy of Jesus residing in us. And first, Jesus says this in verse 1 of John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit." already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now let's go into verse 1 or verse 4 rather. He says abide in me and I in you. So let's stop right there. Verse 4 gives us the first way that you and I can have the joy of Jesus living within us. And it's the joy of abiding. How can the joy of Jesus reside within us? It is in the joy of abiding. If you look at John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11, there is one imperative in the passage. And it is found at the beginning of verse 4. Abide in me. That's the imperative. That's what he calls us to. That's what brings that first step of joy. That's what what starts it all off. So in this passage, everything else becomes a result of abiding. Abiding is the main thing here. So what does abiding mean? Abiding means to remain. It means to stick with, to, to, to hang on to, to not let go. I, I would, I would kind of give you a little illustration this way. How many have been to Disneyland? How many of you need to talk to your parents and make them take you to Disneyland? <laughs> Okay, good, good, there's some. If you've ever been to Disneyland, you know how chaotic it is. You walk in and it says the happiest place on earth. <laughs> Keenan and Courtney went there just this last, uh, what, a couple months ago, a month ago, and uh, they said you wouldn't believe how many crying kids there are in the happiest place on earth, right? But At Disneyland, it is busy, and there's lights, and there's sounds, and there's characters walking around. And I remember when our youngest child, Caleb, was about three years old, we went to Disneyland. And I want to tell you, Caleb wandered off. He would, he'd see things, and he'd just be wandering off, you know? Oh my goodness, look at the lights. Oh, what's that sound? Oh my, oh, there goes a character, you know? And he's just all over the place. And it was our job as parents to keep him close. We didn't want to lose him in Disneyland. What better place to get lost in, I suppose. But we didn't want to lose him. See, and, and the idea is, you and I, as we go through life, we get so distracted by things, don't we? Oh, look at, look at the lights. Oh, there's money over here to be had. Oh, there's sports to get involved in. Oh, my goodness, look at the base. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> and, and and you're 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 kind of tra- the and then the world doesn't help the the society we live in says chase after this this is what's worth it this is what's going to bring you joy and happiness this is what's going to give you peace chase after and pretty soon we're just wandering like a little kid in Disneyland, so the idea of abiding Jesus says, is the ab- the idea of walking through Disneyland stuck with Jesus. I'm going through life. Yeah, there might be lights over here, but I'm not going to go over here unless the Lord leads me over here. There might be sounds over here, but I'm not going to go over here unless Jesus steers us over this way. See, that's the idea of abiding. That's the idea of, of finding joy. It's first of all by abiding in Jesus Christ. It is that idea of sticking with Him through life. And here's the joyful thing about abiding. Notice what Paul says, or excuse me, Jesus says in verse four. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself and let it unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, verse five, he sums it up. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So here's the deal. Why is there joy in abiding in Christ? First of all, there's the joy of that fellowship that we experience as we walk through life with that close connection, that close relationship with Jesus. But Jesus also mentions, as you abide, you will naturally bear fruit. It's the picture of that vine. And the branch, the branch. as long as that branch is connected to the vine, that life-giving source, that, that fruit-bearing source is there. When the branch is taken away from the vine, it dies. So Jesus says, this is really important, because as you abide, there is joy. You will watch fruit being birthed from you. There's joy in that, amen? Is there joy? Some of you are like, I, I don't know i don't know because that might mean certain things but see there's joy of abiding how is it that jesus joy his own joy can be in us Well, it'll come as we abide in him because as we abide in him see the 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 command is not to bear fruit the command is to abide and jesus says when you abide the natural result is you bear fruit So that goes to the second way that you and I have his joy. It is the joy of bearing fruit, which is amazing because it's not something we work at. Again, it's all because of abiding in Christ, but this idea of bearing fruit is the idea of of having God work not only in you, which is where a lot of Christians stop, Okay, what's God want to do in me? What's He going to do in me? How's He going to work in me? Well, me, 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 See, bearing fruit has to do with others. I'm here. God is working in me, yes, but He's working through me to bear fruit in the lives of others. And what's amazing about bearing fruit is if you jump with me to verse 8 of John chapter 15, Jesus says this, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. What's the joy of bearing fruit? Glorifying the Father. Do you know that you were created to bring glory to God? Are you with me? Paul says in Corinthians, whatever you do in word or deed, do all for the glory of God. You and I are here to enhance God's reputation. That's what it means to bring him glory, to enhance his reputation, to make him famous in other people's eyes. And when you and I bear fruit, by this, Jesus says, my Father is glorified. Now think about this. Why is the Father glorified when we bear fruit? Verses 1 through 3. Jesus already lays it out. Jesus says he's the vine. He's the source of our, of our, of our um, fruit-bearing uh, abilities. I didn't say that very well, but that you got what I mean. But who's the vine dresser? Who's the gardener? Who's the one that takes care of everything? The Father. Now, Mona and I have lived here a while, and we have been the recipients, and very thankfully so, of produce from people's gardens in this church family. And I know many of you, have, have, we, we've received, and I think by now the word is out, and if not, let me just clarify, we're not big squash or zucchini eaters. Okay? <laughs> I think everybody knows that now, but I'm not sure, just now you know. But the rest of it, we love, okay? We love, and we've received corn and cucumbers and carrots, and I love, personally, I love little cherry tomatoes. I just eat like popcorn, it's awesome. And, and, and there have been a couple families in this church that have, that have provided us with the produce of their garden, namely the Welches and the Jazzes. And if you've ever been over to their house, and if you've ever looked in their garden, you will see a garden that is immaculate. Weeds are gone, well watered. They do everything to make sure their garden is just beautiful and and flourishing and producing fruit. So so when they give us something and, and we're eating a cucumber, when we try to grow a cucumber, it's always bitter and blech, you know you don't even want to eat it. So you give it to the dog, and you no, know. but but their cucumbers not not bitter. And you know that, so here's all I'm trying to say, is when they give us the produce, it's a reflection on them as a gardener, right? It says they have done a great job. So that's how us bearing fruit is a reflection on the Father. See, all we're called to do is abide. As we abide, He bears fruit from us, through us, rather. And when that fruit is, is 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 birthed, when it it's brought forth through us, He's glorified because he's the vine dresser, Jesus says. He's the gardener. And there's joy in that to be able to enhance his reputation. I'm going to tell you this story because I need to tell you this. this last weekend, Mona and I had the great opportunity to, to be with another church family at Fur Point over in Glendale, Oregon. We were there for a church retreat. And uh, I got to share, and, and I, my subject was Joy. So this is kind of a combination of some of the stuff we did over there. But Saturday night was a harsh night. Not a harsh night, but a hard night. Because we were talking, we were getting down to the nitty-gritty and saying, how do you have joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship? And I remember talking to the associate pastor over there, Matt. And I said, Pastor Matt, is it okay if I... If I share some really hardship stories, I know the kids sat in like we have the kids sitting in today. The kids sat in in all the sessions. And Pastor Matt says, yeah, you, yeah we want them to hear. We want them to wor- work through these things in life. And so I started sharing about things that night. But I talked about how we always go to Jesus. We always go to Jesus. His presence is what helps us get through those hardship times with joy. And when we were done, there was this boy who I found out is 10 years old. And his mom was standing there, and at the end, he had his arms around her legs, and he, he was crying. He was crying, and I thought, oh, Jeff, you went too far. You shouldn't have said those things. And so I waited, and, and when he finally let go of her, I went over and I gave him a hug. And I said, man, I am so sorry. You're, you're struggling. Are you okay? And what can I do to help? And, and through his tears, he said, three years ago, my younger brother died. And as I found out the story, his younger brother was two and a half then, and he was six. He had just turned 10 now. So he was six when his two and a half year old brother died. And he's still struggling through that, struggling through that. And I I said, I am so sorry. And I got to pray with him. And I didn't know what to say, honestly. What do you say to a 10 year old who went through something like that? And so I just said, listen, I believe, I believe God is going to work through you, in you, through this. I believe he's already working, and, I'm, and, and, and you just keep hanging on to Jesus. Well, that night, uh, we, we had some dessert time around tables, and I was exhausted, so I, I went to bed early, and Mona stayed there with people, and, and, and this guy, his name is Gabe, and he sat there at the table with other kids, and they were playing games, and all of a sudden, at one point, Mona says, a, a, a glass of juice, a cup of juice got spilled and all the kids are looking at each other, you know, I'm not cleaning it up, will you, you know, she didn't say they just said that, but it was like the looks of, okay, who's going to do this, who's going to clean, Gabe, it wasn't Gabe's juice, he got up, he went over, asked for a rag, and went back and washed, cleaned that thing up, that's fruit right there, That's fruit. And the cool thing is, Sunday then, after our last time together, I went and I gave him a hug and I said, you know what, I wouldn't wish you, anybody, to go through what you've gone through, but God already is using it in your life. He's bearing fruit in your life. And I told him how last night, Mona observed him serving these other kids. That's fruit. And in bearing fruit, Gabe glorified God. I'm just saying, that's where the joy is. I want to tell you, we have some people that are working with Cornerstone kids during this worship hour, and they're giving up time in this time to be down there with these kids, and they've got a solid Bible study, and they've got things that they're doing. These kids are memorizing the books of the Bible right now as they go through Genesis. They're in Genesis, and they're going to make their way all the way through Revelation. It's a solid, solid thing. They're giving their time. They're bearing fruit down there. And we should be excited about that. Amen. Amen. So secondly, i got, I got to move on. There's much more to say, but i got to move on. So the joy of abiding, abiding bears fruit. The joy of bearing fruit, bearing fruit glorifies God. But notice what Jesus says in verse 9. Jesus goes on and he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And then verse 10, he says, How you can abide in love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The joy of obeying. If you obey my commandments, if you do what I've told you, Jesus says, you will remain in my love. There's the joy. There's this. Fellowship that is there. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, kids, and you adults. Is the word obey a negative word to you? Good. Because in our culture, the idea of obeying tends to be a negative word. Instead of obeying our authorities, our culture says question them and rebel against them. And do it your own way. But Jesus here is saying, if you want to have joy, my joy in you, if you want to have this fellowship of love between us, then it's just simple. Obey. Do what I've called you to do. Because when we disobey, the truth is there is sorrow in the consequences, huh? I remember as a young boy, when I disobeyed, It meant a spanking from my dad. And it was one thing to get a spanking from my mom. I'd fake cry because it really didn't hurt, and I didn't want her to keep punishing me. But when my dad spanked, oh boy, there was no question whether I was going to cry or not. So there's this natural consequence that took place, or not natural, but there's this consequence that took place when I disobeyed. The same is true of some of you in this place. Some of us have natural consequences of disobedience. When we don't do it God's way, we do it our own way. We find ourselves in positions and in circumstance and in in relationships that are not fun. We'll put it that way. That brings sorrow because there is this consequence of disobedience. So Jesus is simply saying, obey me and you're going to live that abundant life that I promised, John 10.10. Obey me, do it my way, and your life is going to be blessed, full of meaning, full of purpose, full of joy, no matter what circumstance or nouns you are in. Jesus says, as you obey what I say to do, you will be blessed. There is joy in that. So here's the whole point today. The joy of Jesus. I mean, not just joy in Jesus, but his very own joy can reside in us as we abide. And through that abiding as we bear fruit. And in obeying the one who has given us all kinds of instructions for joy in our life. I can tell you, I know Pastor Jack probably could tell you, I know he would, I know anybody that's been in ministry long enough could tell you that it it breaks our heart when we talk with people and they just don't want to obey God. They want to do it their own way. And there's a point when you just got to go, man, you're putting yourself through so much, you don't need to go through that. Just obey just do what he's called you to do and you're going to find wonderful joy there. And maybe some of you are in that spot today. We had a child that would say, I do it. I do it. And too often we're like that. We want to do it ourselves instead of follow what he has set up for us. When we follow what he's set up for us, there's joy. So there's the joy of abiding, the joy of bearing, and the joy of obeying. So how is it, as we come to this communion table, how do we define, then, the very joy that Jesus has? We've said He possesses joy, amen? We've said that His joy is perfect. We've said that His joy is eternal. So let's ask the question, as we come to communion, what is the joy of Jesus? And I would ask you to turn to one other passage of Scripture Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look in, zoom in on verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, who is the one who is the founder and is the perfecter of our faith, but listen how it describes his cross experience. Did you know that Jesus lived in joy but here we're told he died in joy. He did not go to the cross with joy because of the cross. It says he despised the cross, right? It wasn't something he was going, oh, yay, 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 I get to die on the cross. This is going to be fun. No, he was looking beyond that. There was joy that was set before him. Notice what it says. Who for the joy set before him went to the cross despising it and 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 enduring the the shame that was there going through the cross he had he had his eyes set on something else that was super joyful to him so what is the joy that was set before him well let's watch how interesting this is first the joy of jesus here is the joy of obeying oh did we hear that before the joy of obeying jesus obeyed the father in john's gospel no yes in 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 john's gospel jesus spoke of my food is to do the will of him who sent me i came here to obey the father that's all i want to do i'm all about obeying the father and remember in the garden of gethsemane he's praying father may this cup pass from me but what's his ultimate resolution not my will but yours be done. Jesus was all about obeying the Father. So what's His joy as He goes to the cross? I'm obeying the Father. That became part of His joy. Obedience. Wait, didn't we talk about the joy of obeying? That's what Jesus did. He obeyed the Father and that was part of His joy. But secondly, let me encourage you, it was also a joy of bearing The joy of bearing, specifically, the fruit of salvation. Jesus, in an earlier chapter of John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 47, Jesus says, I came not to judge the world, but I came to save the world. How did he save the world? How did he usher in salvation? Through his death on the cross. He looked beyond the cross and he saw that the cross was going to bear the fruit of salvation for all people, for you and for me. And that brought him joy. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? Because he looked ahead and he said, I'm obeying the Father and I'm bearing the fruit of salvation for all people. But finally, look at the end of verse 2. It says, And he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here is abiding, dear church. Jesus experiences the joy of abiding. Think about it. Before he came to this earth, he had perfect harmony, perfect fellowship, perfect relationship with God the Father as the second person of the one triune God. He enjoyed perfect harmony there. When he came to this earth, uh, Philip, er, Paul tells us in Philippians that he gave up the glory that was his as God, and, and, he, and he limited himself. And he limited himself in that relationship with the Father. Certainly he prayed and talked to the Father, but the relationship was different. You agree? So part of the joy of him going to the cross was he, know, he knew that that would re, re uh, Help him to to abide again with the Father. So this was joy of abiding. All I'm trying to say is the things in John chapter 15 that he calls us to, to have his joy in us, are the same things that he went to the cross for. The joy of obeying the Father, the joy of bearing the fruit of salvation, and the joy of abiding with the Father once again in perfect fellowship and perfect harmony. So the things that He calls us to, He's already gone before and proved to be an example for us. So maybe you're here today and as we come to communion, I ask you to be honest with yourself. Ask yourself this question. Am I happy? Am I happy? And maybe more importantly, you ask yourself this question. As others define me or describe me, would they say that I'm... Happy, Or am I a grumpy pants? Am I mean and ornery? Do I have a smile on my face? Or do I constantly wear a frown? Am I happy? And if you come to this answer of no, then maybe it's because you're not abiding in Christ. Maybe it's because you're not bearing fruit from abiding in Christ. And maybe it's because you're not really obeying Him in some areas in your life. As we come to communion, recognize that at communion, Jesus is our example. The joy set before him of obeying and bearing fruit and abiding with the Father—that example is for us today. And so, as we come, as the men who have been uh, called upon to serve come forward, and come on forward, and the musicians come on forward, I just ask you to bow your heads. I ask you to ask that question: Am I happy? Do I have the joy of Jesus in my life? And if not, is it because I need to abide? Is it because I need to bear fruit? Is it because I need to obey? This is your opportunity to do some do some soul searching. Let's pray.